We are in part five. We're in part five of this series on choices and changes. As life changes, it affects your choices. But here's your superpower. Everybody here has a superpower. If you want to change your life, you can. You change your life when you change what? Oh my, it's an open book test. You change your life when you change your, when you change your choices. That's exactly what we've been talking about now for the fifth week. So important, we've been looking at specific choices. So today, I want to look at one that I think is going to be inspiring. I think it's going to be a little challenging, but it's going to lead to blessings in your life. And I want to kick it off by talking about advertising for a minute. You know, at the advent of social media, how many of you have been on some social media platform at least once this week? Instagram, Tic Tac... I'm old, I don't know this stuff, right? You're bombarded, listen to this, by 10,000 advertisements a day. 10,000 advertisements a day. I mean, that's coming in the form of social media bloggers, podcasts, social media influencers. Then there's television, then there's radio, 10,000 advertisements a day. Now, that is not good news. Because studies have shown us that the more we're exposed to advertising, the more miserable we are in life. And I bet you know why. Because every waking moment, we're told why we're incomplete. We're told why we can't be happy until we purchase or acquire or accumulate X, Y, and Z. The pervasive uh, message of most advertising is that if you want to be happy... If you want the good life, you need the new iPhone. You need that new Birkin bag. You need that next pair of shoes, that next watch. You need the next, I mean, what would it be for you? For me, it's tacos. I mean, it's just like you need that next if you're going to be fulfilled and if you're going to be happy in life. And culture screams at you and it screams at me over and over again that it is more blessed to get It is more blessed to acquire. It is more blessed to accumulate. Culture screams at you 10,000 times a day. You can't escape it, that you are going to be happy when you get more. Now, enter stage right, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And he screamed back at culture a very counter-cultural message. And Jesus said, it's more blessed to than to receive. More blessed to give. Word blessed in the Greek is makari. Makari. Say it. Makari. Now you know Greek. Go impress your friends. And it's translated blessed. Some translate it happy. It's an internal state of being. It's an internal state of satisfaction. It's an internal state of contentment. It's an internal state of joy. And it's the idea of that's really what it means to be happy. And Jesus said you're actually happier. You're actually happier when you're generous as opposed to being selfish. Did you already know that? Right? It just makes sense. You're more joyful when you're giving. 
You're more fulfilled when you're giving. You're more blessed when you give than when you receive. Now, how many of you are familiar with the five love languages? You know the five love languages? One of those love languages is receiving gifts. That's one of mine. I like me some receiving. I'll give you my sizes. I mean, I'm, I'm all about that, right? But that's not the happiest I can be. That's not the most blessed I can be. That's not the most fulfilled I can be. If you want to take that up, like if you want to get to higher heights in the blessings that are in your life, it's not on the receiving side. It's on the giving side. It's on the giving side. Now, here's what I know about so many of you because I know so many of you. Is that you know this. And you actually love to give. And many of you, I know this, wish you could give more. And many of you, I know this because I know you, for years have felt like so many others when you say, I want to, but I just can't right now, right? Brad, I'd love to give more, but economically, I don't see how. Mathematically, like I look at my budget, it doesn't pencil out. And that's why I want to talk to you today about something that maybe you've never been taught, which is irrational generosity. Like what we're going to talk about today might not pencil out and somehow it works. Might not make logical sense. We're not talking about logic. Joy isn't found in your logic. Blessings aren't received in your logic. It's received in your emotions. It's received in your spirit. What we're going to talk about today is going to challenge you intellectually, but it's going to satisfy your soul. It's going to bring blessings into your life. So we're going to dive right in where we have started each of the previous four weeks. We've been following a statement every week where we're learning to pre-choose instead of waiting until we're in the heat of the moment, letting our emotions take over. We are pre-choosing the things that we've talked about every week, deciding ahead of time. When I get to that situation, this is what I'm going to do. If I find myself in that circumstance, this is what I'm going to do. If I'm facing that temptation, I'm already deciding before I face it, this is what I'm going to do. If I'm around those people, this is what I'm going to do. If they say this to me, this is what I'm going to do. We're pre-choosing so that we can stay consistent in our life, right? If you wait till you're in the heat of the moment, if you wait and you get blindsided and you're unprepared, if you haven't thought about it ahead of time, more times than not, you'll fail. More times than not, you'll walk away saying, oh, doggone it, I wish I'd have said this. I wish I'd have done that. The antidote to that feeling is to pre-choose who you want to be and how you're going to live. Does this make sense to you? I'm so glad you said yes, because I've got four previous messages. I was going to just start all the way back at the beginning. We were going to be here through lunch. So today we're going to pre-choose. We're going to choose ahead of time that by the grace of God, we will be more blessed. Who wants to be more blessed? Now, it's remarkable to me that some people did not raise their hand. I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to make you a deal. I'll take yours. I, you don't want it. You didn't raise your hand. So God, you saw, God, you saw, just give me, give me their portion. More blessed, more blessed. I want you to say out loud to God right now, I want to be more blessed. Say it. I want to be, here's the deal. You can be more blessed 
immediately by being generous. That's why I'm going to teach you today how to pre-choose this, how to decide ahead of time, this is who you want to be. This is how you want to live. Now, why do we need to pre-choose this? Because it won't happen accidentally. Nobody accidentally stumbles into giving offerings at a church or paying rent for someone who's in need or buying something for someone who can't afford it or funding a ministry or, or supporting someone who's broken. No one accidentally becomes that. God blesses you more when you decide to be that. Nobody stumbles into generosity. Now, I know, I know, for most of us, we tend to think, when I have more, I will I'll give more. And what I want you to understand, this is not how the generous think. This is not the mindset of the generous. Because generosity isn't about what you have. It's not about what you don't have. It's not about what you have in the bank. It's not about what you have in your checking account. It's not about that. Generosity is all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Now, how do I know this? Because I have seen poor people, poor people, who have been remarkably, irrationally, beautifully, sacrificially generous. I've seen some poor people who are stingy. Not about how much they have. It's about their heart. I've seen rich people you couldn't choke a penny out of them. <laughs> couldn't do it. But I've also seen rich people that changed the world with full-blown, strategic, passionate, irrational generosity. And that's why we're going to learn how to do this today. Right where you are in your personal economy. Right where you are, you know, like if we all looked at each other's checking accounts, like so there'd be open weeping. I know, I know there'd be some sadness. But whatever's there, you can start there. Because I promise you, if you're not generous now, you won't be generous when you have more. Because generosity isn't about how much you have. It's about who you are. You with me so far? Jesus told a story. He always taught in stories. And it illustrates this way better than I could. There was a rich man who was a farmer. Had a big farm. Very successful farmer. But on this particular harvest... He had a bumper crop. I mean, this guy, he couldn't believe how much was growing in his field, how rich his crops were. This rich man in Jesus' story actually got richer. And the rich man said, what should I do with all that I have? I don't have room for all this. Where am I going to put it? And here's what he was thinking. How can I keep it? Let me tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say, now that I have more, I'm going to be incredibly generous. Because it's not about having more, it's about the heart. He didn't say, I'm going to fund my church now that I have extra. I'm going to help single moms. I'm going to be a blessing to people. I'm going to fund a shelter for the homeless. I'm going to help people go to college. He didn't say that. What did he do when he had more? He did what he'd always done. He did who he was. He did who he was. And who he was, was, how can I keep it for myself? 
I mean, let's just look at the story. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. They were already big. But I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and all my other goods. And then I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. <coughs> I was reading over this this morning, and it just like jumped out at me. I, I bet I've read this story in, in my life 50 times. Bet I have. First time I saw this, the personal pronouns. I, I'll, I'll, my, I'll, I'll, my, 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 my. And then I'll, myself, I'm my own friend, because you probably didn't have any other friends, my friend, right? Eat, drink, and be merry. I thought, oh, that says everything. That says everything. Now, why did he do what he had always done? Why would you be more prone to do what you've always done? Because more money does not make you more generous. More money just makes you more of what you already are. More money doesn't change who you are. It just reveals who you are. Did anybody hear that? Here's your big thought for today. If you want to be generous when you have more, you must learn to be generous when you have less. Is this making sense? Right where we are with just what we have. It's not a dollar amount. It's a condition of the heart. Listen, that was worth the price of admission. Just that right there. This is about pre-choosing. This is about pre-choosing. And what I want to do today is help you learn to do that. Because I know you want to. I mean, I, I've had coffee with so many of you. I know the condition of your heart. I know your desire to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And this is part of the deal. So I'm going to show you a couple principles today, just two, and then we're going to be done. But these two are true for all generous people. And if you want to become one of those, they'll be true for you. So that's what we're going to talk about. Deal? Today or all four? You pick. Just do today? Deal? Kind of hurts my feelings, but all right, all right. We're going to jump in. Two qualities of generous people. Two qualities of generous people. The first one is so important. Don't miss this. Generous people plan to be generous. Generous people plan to be generous. Generous people plan to be generous. Now, you might say, but I thought generosity was like randomly blessing people. You know, you see somebody, you know, guy on the side of the road with a sign, and so you just give him something as you're driving through the intersection, or you buy someone's groceries. They might seem to be struggling a little bit with getting some stuff. You see them putting groceries away and you kind of know what's going on because maybe you've been there and you're just prompted to do something or you buy food for the person in the drive-thru behind you or you just spontaneously just give because you're struck by a need that's right in front of you. And that's, that's giving. And to be honest, that's how most people give. You see a need and you meet the need. And that's cool. 
You hear a sad story, and so you do something about the sad story. That's cool. You go to a fundraiser, and somebody motivates you to give or inspires you to give or guilts you to give, right? And so you give a spontaneous gift, and that's cool, and that's giving. It's not generosity. There's a difference between giving and generosity. And to be really, really clear, like don't misunderstand me here. Giving is good. You want to be a giver. It's good to be a giver. Giving honors God. You want to give. But giving is not the same thing as being generous. Here's the difference. Generous people don't need to be guilted to give. They've already planned to give. Generous people don't even need to be inspired to give because they already plan to give. Generous people aren't reactive. They don't give just when they see a need. They'd already planned to give for needs. They don't just give when they have something extra. They're giving on a systematic plan. They don't just give whenever they're prompted by the Spirit, though they may give more in that moment, but there's already ongoing generosity. Generous people actually have a plan to give generously, and then they follow the plan. In fact, in the scripture, like this is so direct. Look what generous people do. Generous people, what do they do? Plan to do what is generous. And they stand firmly in their generosity. I mean, that's pretty cool. And that's right in the Bible. I love this. We plan it, and then we stick with it. We stand firm. We, we plan it, then we stand firm in it. Not making excuses about what I can do or can't do, what I do have or don't have. Because people who plan, it's who they are. It's who they are. The generous plan to be generous. They have pre-chosen to stand firm in this decision to become a generous person. Does that make sense to you? Now, what's funny about a plan when it comes to finances is that most people have a plan. You say, well, Brad, I really don't have a financial plan. But the truth is, most people have a plan. Let me tell you what the plan is. I'm going to spend. That's your financial plan. I'm going to spend. If there's something we want, we get real strategic in our planning. We hop right on Amazon. Like we're studying. We're looking for coupons. You know, we already know. Most of you already know what your next purchase is going to be if you come into some extra money. That's your plan. I mean, we're looking at this thing. Generous people don't plan to consume. Generous people have a plan to give. In fact, when you become generous by nature, like it becomes really who you are, what you're doing, is you're strategically and prayerfully now designing your life around this. It's, it's I'm going to be giving and I'm going to be giving on a schedule. It's a mindset where you prayerfully ask God, how can I make a bigger difference? How can I get involved? How can I maximize what you've given to me? How can I be more of a blessing to the people who are around me, to my family, to my friends? Like, here's the key. It's not just spontaneous. Generous people might do something spontaneous, but mainly it's strategic. Mainly it's intentional. Now, I hear your wheels turning. I have really good ears. But Brad, I'm not a planner. 
Yes, you are. You go to work, don't you? You pick out your clothes, don't you? You know what time you're leaving the house, don't you? You have a pretty good plan for what you're going to eat through the day, don't you? With money that most people say they care a lot about, certainly they think a lot about it, they spend a lot of their life earning it, here's how we play the money game. We give less attention to planning about our money than we do about planning what we're going to wear to work. Here's how it works. God gives you something, a little extra. You get a raise at work or you get some kind of bonus or you get an unexpected refund or something like that. And your first move, first move for most people, spend more than you make. Now, I'm not judging, and I'll tell you why. Because yesterday I went to Zara. And let me tell you why I went to Zara. Because Karen had a gift card. And she bought something with her gift card, and she had $22 left on her gift card. And she knows I love Zara. So she came home, she said, here you go, honey, here's $22. You go buy, you know, something at Zara. I spent $104. <laughs> So I'm not immune to this. I'm not judging you. We're just talking about it. Can we talk about it? That's the plan of the world today. Spend a little bit more than what you have. Then we wonder, why do we lack margin? Why are we stressed out about our money all the time? And then when it comes to giving back to God or engaging in compassion or helping out a friend, you're out of dough, you're overdrawn, you worry more. But then you get a bump. Then you get a raise. Then you get an unexpected refund. Then you breathe a sigh of relief. Then you go to Zara. I mean, that's just the cycle. That's our plan. Here's what we need to understand. This is not a money problem. This is not a money problem. Now, for sure, it's a self-image problem. For sure, it's an insecurity and ego problem. But end of the day, end of the day, it's a spiritual problem. Because with our accumulating, we're trying to fill a void inside of us with more stuff rather than filling our soul with more of God. Somebody heard that? And what generous people do is they break that cycle. And you're not going to break it accidentally. You're going to have to plan to break it. You're going to have to decide to break it. You're going to have to strategically break it by choosing to put God first in your life. Jesus said it this way. Seek what? Seek what? The kingdom of God. Start there. Start there. Stack it upright. Have him first. Do for him first. Live for him first. Serve him first, and he'll line up everything else. He'll line up everything else. But you start at the beginning. Doesn't say seek first shoes. Seek first the granite countertop. Seek first that next car, the next watch. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Like you pursue becoming a more righteous person, not self-righteous the cleaning and the cleansing and the renewing that God does. That's the true righteousness. But that only happens when we seek God first. In fact, there's a principle in the Scripture that's very, very powerful. 
And it's potentially life-changing for some of you. And it's called the tithe. And we find this in the very last book of the Hebrew Scriptures. It's, it's a book written by a, a prophet named Malachi. And in the ancient Hebrew Scriptures, in Malachi, here's the instruction. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, I just need to unpack this just a minute. Like, wait, I, I don't understand the storehouse, house, food. What's, what's going on here? You need to know that back in that time, most people didn't have cash. Most people bartered with goods, and most people were agricultural. They grew their own food. They, they grew food for their family. They had their own crops. And then, you know, if the cow had a calf, like that was for their family. That was meat to eat and, and you know, sacrifices to offer. I mean, the things they did, they kind of did it themselves. Everybody was agrarian. It was, it was an agricultural society. And so if I, if I grew potatoes and you grew wheat, what I'd do, I'd come over to your house with a basket of potatoes and I'd say, hey, I'll trade you a basket of potatoes for, you know, a, you know, a, a basket of wheat or something like that. And so when it came to giving to God, the temple and the synagogues, the places of worship, they had like silos. They had like food storage places. And so what they were saying is, you bring your tithe to these temple storehouses so that those who are part of the family in the house, those who are part of this faith community, we're going to make sure nobody goes hungry. You bring a portion of what God's blessed you with. You have a good crop, you bring a portion so that nobody goes without. Is this making sense to you? That's what that verse means. So what is a tithe? It's a word that not a lot of people use these days. The Hebrew word translated means 50%. (laughs) I wish it did. Means 10%. 10%. You bring back 10% of what God blessed you with. You bring 10% of that back to God as an act of worship. See, God gives you 100% of what you have. Everything you have that's good came from God. Well, Brad, I worked hard for what I have. Well, your ability to work hard came from God. But no, Brad, you know, I use my mind and I've created and I've designed. God gave you your mind. No, Brad, I went to school. I got my college. I got my master's. I got my doctor. God gave you your mind. I mean, everything good, you trace it back, 100% of the good in your life came from God. So he asks that of everything that's his, that he's given to us, he's watching what we do with it, He says, take 10% of that and bring that back to him. Act of obedience, an act of worship, an expression of gratitude, an expression of faith. You bring that tithe back to God. And then that tithe accumulated, like my 10%, not going to help a lot of people. Your 10% might not help a lot of people. But accumulated, all that gets used for ministry. Now, confession. First time I heard that, I was a little boy. Give 10% back to God. And I thought, no, that's too much. There's no way I can't afford to do that. That's ridiculous. I mean, as a kid, I remember having that. I got a dollar a week for allowance. And I was watching my dollar go down to 90 cents. And I thought, a kid can't live on 90 cents a week. (laughs) Right? I mean, I'd have to rearrange my life 
I have to change some things in my priorities if I'm going to put God first. I have to make some real changes. I had to strategically look at my life and figure out, how am I going to buy those baseball cards? How am I going to buy that candy? If I arrange my life around worshiping God first, it seemed impossible. And it's almost as if God could foresee our resistance to this. It's almost as if God knew we would feel this way. And so God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a pass to do something that I have told you many other times don't do. Many times in the Bible, we're told, do not put God to the test. Don't do it. Who are you to test God? But in this one particular instance, God said, I'm going to allow you to test me on this. He said, I'm going to allow you to test me on this. God says, if you don't believe me, test me. God says, test me. God says, I dare you. God says, I double dog dare you. In the Hebrew, double dog dare you. I give you permission to try this. God says, test me on this. Look, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Pour out so much blessing, you won't even have room enough to hold it all. Test me on this. God says, put me first. Put me to the test. See if you can outgive me. See if you can outgive me. I dare you. Try it. See if you can outgive me, God says. And we'll find we'll never be able to outgive God. Now, Brad, you teach in prosperity gospel here. Make Jesus your choice. Drive a Rolls Royce. Is that what you're teaching us? Not teaching that. It's not the prosperity gospel. This doesn't mean everybody gets rich. This is the generosity gospel. And what happens when we're generous is we find that there are blessings that become part of our life that we would have never experienced before. There are riches other than money that also begin to accumulate in our spirit and in our life. We begin to see just how faithful God is. We begin to know that we can never outgive God because God is so generous. And when you start giving back to God what already belongs to God, like this is what's crazy. Well, I, I'm just really hesitant to give my money. Well, now you're starting to sound like that guy who built bigger barns. My, my, my. Not your money. You're giving back to God from the resources that already belong to him. You with me? Like this is a perspective. And this is what changes that cycle of I get a little bit, I overspend, and then I worry. I mean, this changes the trajectory of your life when you begin to put God first. Don't forget that cycle. God blesses you. You overspend. Now you have no financial margin and you freak out and you worry and you worry and you worry and you're living paycheck to paycheck and you want to do for God and you want to do for friends and you want to do for family but you find that you don't have it because you've overspent. You're not living in your blessings in that scenario. 
But when you put God first, God supplies. When you pre-choose to put God first, God supplies. I'll give you an example of this. We've had so many home repairs in the last couple of years, it's just crazy broken stuff in our house. So about, I don't know, a month ago, we heard this gosh-awful sound, this squeaking going on. I said, what, what is that noise? It was our dryer. Well, we'd already spent the previous month $900 to fix it. And then it's squeaking. There's no warranty. It's like, man, another $900, that's a, that's a kick right in the face, right? Well, we said, let's just pray about that. Do we buy a new one? Do we fix this again? What do we do? Next load Karen put in, no sound. Worked perfectly. Karen's out of town this weekend. I did the laundry. Don't tell her I can do it. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. I put clothes in the laundry yesterday, and I thought, oh, God, don't let it break under my watch. Let it break under Karen's. <laughs> right? Man, that thing ran perfectly. Perfectly. You know, that's provision. That's God helping. That's God meeting a need. Do you see this? It's not always what you get. It's sometimes what you don't have to spend. That old carrier still going? Got another 10,000 miles in her? That's God that's keeping that running. That computer? Oh, I'd like the new, the fancy, the snazzy. But it's still working. That's God protecting you from having that expense. All through my life, I'm almost 64 years old. And I have seen, since I learned this as a little boy, I have seen God prove himself faithful. This is how your faith gets built. So rather than being worried, you see God be faithful. Now you're motivated to be more generous because you know God's up to the task. God will cover you. It doesn't, you cannot outgive God. It's a mindset that happens when you put God first. You pre-choose. You're not just going to give when it's convenient. You're not just going to give when you have a little left over. You are going to pre-choose to be generous. It's a decision. And then it grows, it grows from there. I know people who've done this in all kinds of ways. They plan to increase their giving year after year. I know people who actually budget generosity, and then they ask God, bring the people to me who are going to need it this month. And they don't get to the end of the month without giving it all away. I mean, that's how people do it. One more point, and then we're done. Generous people round up. Generous people round up. They always round up. I love this verse in the Bible. It's from the famous King Solomon. And he said, all day long, the lazy, look what they do. They crave and they crave. But the righteous gives, and look at this last phrase, and does not, what? Does not hold back. They give and they do not hold back. Always rounding up. We see this in the scripture a lot. Jesus told the story about the good Samaritan. He's walking along and he sees this man that's beat up and robbed on the side of the road, left for dead. And this good Samaritan puts medicine on him and bandages on him and then takes him to a hotel. And he doesn't just say, well, good luck, I'm gone. He tells the hotel owner, he says, look, I'll be traveling back here in a few days. You meet all of his needs and when I come back, I I will pay his 
bill. He could have done the bare minimum, but he rounded up. Story about Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. How many of you know that song, right? Zacchaeus. He was a short man, but he had a big problem. Big problem. He was a thief. He was a thief. He'd robbed from everybody in his city. But the day he heard Jesus was coming, there was something in him that knew he needed to see Jesus. And because he was short, couldn't see over the crowd, he had to climb a tree. He is way out on a limb, physically and spiritually. And Jesus saw him, and Jesus took him to lunch, and Zacchaeus met the life-transforming grace of Jesus. And it changed him. And he said, you know what? I'm going to pay everybody I've stolen from back. I'm going to pay them back. But here's what the Bible says. I'm going to pay them back four times as much as I took. He rounded up. Jesus taught this principle. He says, if somebody asks for your shirt, give them your coat also. If somebody asks you to go one mile, go a second mile also. Round up. So the next time you're contemplating, should I give a lower amount or a higher amount, why don't you just decide ahead of time that you're going to be a blessing and you're going to round up. Say, I'm going to make a meal for someone. Why don't you throw in an appetizer and how about a dessert? Just round up. I'm going to give somebody a gift card so they can go to dinner. Young family, they got kids, you know, mom and dad need a date night. Why don't you pay for the babysitter too? Because generous people, what? Generous people round up. What we're not doing, we're not just randomly giving. We're not just waiting until we have more. Generous people make a plan, and generous people always round up. So many times in my life, this has been reinforced. I told you as a child, I was learned to give back to God. And I need to drill down on this because you're not giving to God. What you have is on loan from God. He's watching how you're using it. You're giving back to him what's already his, right? So my brother and I learned to give that dime for every dollar. And as an adult, it was reinforced. I'd hear a teaching in church similar to this, and I'd write my tithe check out. If you don't know what a check is, you can Google it. It's a thing we used to do back in the olden days. And God has shown up for me and for my family in times of need. It's so much more blessed to give than it is to receive. So much more blessed to give than it is to receive. We serve a generous God who pre-chose to send his son to give the ultimate gift of life and forgiveness. So as we reflect on who he is, it inspires us to be like him. Here's what we want to say. I am generous. I don't just give. Giving is what I do. But generous is who I am. Let's say it together. I am generous. I don't just give. Giving is what I do. But generous is who I am. Let's pray together. Lord, Father, I thank you so much for this very attentive crowd because I know so many of them. And they aspire to walk closely with you and desire 
to grow in faith and worship and obedience and gratitude. And also, Father, we're open to all the blessings of heaven. And this is a way to be more blessed, more blessed, because it's more blessed when we're giving than when we're just waiting for more to come our way. Man, when we learn this, life opens up at a whole new level. We're ready to level up, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.